0: Here it is. There's an injury. Go. Here's the net. It's yours. (laughs) You know, like do with it what you will. And I think no one would have been like, "Oh, he's terrible," if he didn't thrive there. And I, I just think he's raising the bar from what we could have expected from him. And he's been such an important part of it.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back. To too many men. My name is Allison Lucan, back with a voice, I think, um, but we would not be too many men without the incredible, creative, and dare I say, urban socialite, Sarah Sivian, staying in the best parts of Boston when she wants to. Sarah, how are you today?
2: Yes, I am great. And yes, my boyfriend has an amazing apartment and we are blessed and getting out of my parents' basement slowly but surely.
1: (laughs) And of course, we must always have to make us complete. The incredible, the prolific writer, the person who will fix your scoring slump if you're Matthew Kachuk, the athletics, Shana Goldman. Shana, say hi. Hi, I swear I'm cursed this year. I'm so
0: fucking cursed this year. Every player, I'm like, oh yeah, this is bad. They're like, yeah, watch me. So I I expect checks. But you do it, like I read that article and it was such a
2: good analysis into why he wasn't scoring and that the regression was kind of inevitable. So actually you're <laughs> reverse jinxing them and they should be grateful.
0: There exactly. we go, see, thank you. If that story ran a day late, I was gonna cry. Like yes. I was like, please. <laughs>
1: Send your checks, Matthew Kachuk, to Shana Goldman. She's ready and waiting. All right. It is time to get right down to it. We have so much to discuss. It is Sarah Sivian's favorite segment. The tools for a better intro are on their way to you via transport, Sarah. I'm waiting desperately for you to tell me that they've arrived. But for now, tell us what time it is. Time
2: for one of our last drumroll list bits of news. (laughs)
1: Bit. Oh, news. Here we go. I actually saw someone in a bit. O news t-shirt last week and it made oh my, my heart sing. I'm so that. happy. Yes, but it is time for bit. O news. And there is stuff happening all over the hockey world in a rare moment of pride. My friends, the three of us can celebrate because team USA won the 2024 world junior championship. Canada not even competing for a medal. Is the hockey world ending? Shana Goldman, tell us how proud you are to be an American where you're glad you, glad you know you're free.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the time, right, to come together and be patriotic. One of the few times we have this, we have Women's World, we have the Olympics, and one who gives a fuck. But it is so nice to see USA win something on the men's side because, you know, they tend to not be very good. And, you know, you see the future of USA hockey. How exciting. And then we think of the upcoming tournaments for men potentially coming up and USA could be a real contender. Like this is a start friends. It's not the finish. Good fucking luck, Canada.
1: Sarah, I feel yeah. like every time we go through one of these, you know, prominent country inevitably stumbles. It's hard to get your shit together in such a short time. And um, then there's, of course the, you know, the kids who have to lock their accounts and people have to say, don't tweet at these people. They're literally in their teens and just trying to play their best for their country and try and get attention. They might not even be drafted yet are we starting to take the world juniors a little bit more rationally or do we still need to just shut the fuck up and let the kids play?
2: I know. I think it's one of these things where we do a song and dance every year where there's discourse about like, don't tweet. It's like when college players are being recruited, like don't tweet at recruits. And it's like, people are going to be delusional and let's maybe give them less mind. But I do think people are just getting more mentally ill and that's reflective of (laughs) online discourse in general like we all need to go to the therapist instead of be online tweeting at teens but i guess i like that they lock their accounts i mean like there's only so much you can do when people are harassing you online and actually raising not raising awareness but like proactively feeling like you can take your power and do something is good It's just, it sucks that this is a reality of life, but like I wish maybe agents and leagues and programs had more of a proactive protocol about it. So it's that like you can kind of avoid this altogether before it happens, but it's just kind of like the human element of being online and Elon and Mark making everything worse. So it's not gonna change.
1: (laughs) Well, if we go back to the beneficial side of this, which is the international competition of quality up-and-coming hockey play, Shana, you referenced this, but we're not done. Team USA is still battling for the next title. What is happening in the U18s, and where can people find it?
0: Well, you can watch U18s on NHL Network for at least all Team USA games, and I think they're also carrying Team Canada games and, was it Slovakia or another there's one more country that it's going to be every game but those are taking place right now women's u18s there are real cameras there's real coverage so you should watch it enjoy it because keep in mind there's no women's world juniors so this is how you're going to see the up-and-coming stars then you should watch them at the college level and now everybody can watch them in one place at the professional level so like there's no reason not to it's right there if you were hyped about world juniors want to be super patriotic be hyped about women's u18s
1: as well well and that is exactly the next bit of news we wanted to talk about which is that the professional women's hockey season under the PWHL has begun. The first round of games are behind us. Again, I do just want to reiterate that while we celebrate this, this is not the first time that professional hockey has been played by women. We want to honor history while celebrating the present success, but the present success was in Incredible. I'm sure you guys saw it, but there were games happening obviously in all the markets Well, in some of the markets as the teams paired up, but Minnesota showed up and showed out. Just an incredible, incredible double digit in the 10, 13,000, I believe was the final tally 13,000 plus in attendance for the opening game. For those of you who know the women's game, the white caps have been a stalwart of the women's hockey scene for many, many years. And while they're not called that now, they're continuing that tradition. It was awesome to see not just the the game coverage, but also the little stories of people seeing fans who had say they were waiting for this for years, little girls going and being able to see people who look like them getting paid to play the game that they love. Sarah, just overall takeaways on the opening weekend of pro women's hockey in your mind.
2: Yeah. Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. I'm loving watching her kind of come in and have her era in women's hockey. And it's, It's cool that we get to see kind of the next superstar on such in a, obviously she's been in Minnesota for years in college too. And it's really cool to just watch that connection, maybe younger or our age fans really have with her. And like, you're kind of seeing the next superstar in front of our eyes in a new league. And it feels like this kind of passing of the torch maybe. And I'm just really here for it and it's fun. So if like, you're just getting into, women's hockey, maybe you're a Minnesota fan. Like I would recommend that because my Boston Bostons are not doing so well, (laughs) (laughs) but they will turn it around. (laughs) It's in all seriousness. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what to call them. But in (laughs) all seriousness, I saw, well, maybe not all seriousness. I don't know. I saw a funny meme that was kind of like, pay for 9 million subscriptions for the NHL or watch our free league on youtube and it's just so funny like how easy it is to watch women's professional hockey right now and you just just toss it on in the background when you're doing something like why not
1: and for those of you who aren't already following the game that's taylor heisey that we are talking about here just another superstar up and coming Shayna, this has been a beat of yours for many many years what stands out to you from the opening round of games
0: well the attendance is amazing to see right like the one disappointment sure is connecticut and like that's that's another can of worms, but you know, like we should focus <laughs> yes. on the, I feel like everyone's so quick to focus on the bad and I get that, but it's like the good and you see the crowds in Ottawa, in Toronto, and in Minnesota, like you hoped Minnesota fans would show up and shout. And they did. And I also love the coverage we're seeing. You're seeing men's hockey writers getting involved in it too. And if the team's in your backyard, you want to see that, that Minnesota coverage was excellent to me. Like it, it's a little bit of everything you're seeing players get involved. Like Jonas Rodin's hurt. So he's there. Nick Felino, uh, Sorry, Marcus, Marcus Foligno was there yeah. with his kids. Did Nick Foligno go to a game too? or am I an idiot?
1: I only saw Marcus, no, but that I doesn't mean... Saw I'm sure he
0: will yeah. when the opportunity yeah. comes. <laughs> but you see him with his girls there and in the locker room. You're seeing Patrice Bergeron in Boston. Like it's, it's a little bit of everything. And I know sometimes it's like, we don't need the men to elevate the women, but if they can, please do it. If they can link a Bruins fan, because you're seeing Patrice Bergeron is there, it does something. So it just feels... It feels different this time around and i love it i love how easy it is to watch it and then the quality of play is so much fun like if you're a usa hockey fan minnesota is right there for you because you have our star taylor heisey but you have the kendall coins of the world that we all know and you have grace Zumwinkle who had herself a game at that home opener and we're seeing those different rules kind of like take hold now too you're watching toronto versus new york and you're seeing the jailbreak goal win the game, and it's that momentum swinger that we want to see. We want to see how it shakes out. So it's just such an exciting time right now that there's no excuse not to to t- take five seconds and put in a little effort.
1: And we must announce, of course, that that goal you're speaking of, Shana, came from former Buckeye Emma Malte, who had a shorthanded goal, and she learned that from Nadine muzral who also is a big advocate of the power kill on special teams so we love to see it keep watching friends it's going to be fun like Sarah said it's so easy to catch on the YouTubes the stream quality is excellent it's a great way to take in a different part of the game and we love to see it uh we could talk about the women's game the entire time but unfortunately the men just won't stop manning so we do have to go back to some
0: simultaneously manning
1: (laughs) simultaneously This is true. We did not have this in our notes, but we do have to give a shout out to, and I learned this from uh, our good friend, Jeff Merrick, who was talking about this on his show. This is the seventh time this has happened. Seventh time that two simultaneous Too Many Men calls have been taken. Shayna, you documented it live. How momentous of a moment that the NHL is recognizing the importance of the Too Many Men podcast.
0: And it's so important, too, that they said too many men and simultaneous too many men. We're not going to too many player bullshit. No, no, no. Let's let's put the focus where it needs to be. And that's on us. Always <laughs> and forever. Thank you, Curtis McDermott. Thank you, Oscar Steen. Thank you, Avs. Thank you, Bruins. Your merch is on the way. You're welcome to join the podcast at any time. Like, honestly, we, we, we know we have so many fans in the NHL, but the fact that they're arguing with each other on the ice to become it, beautiful moment. <laughs>
1: Even Rangoon supports this cause. She's here for it. She's (laughs) here for it. (laughs) But um, some less exciting NHL news did come down earlier this week. And that was Connor Bedard um, has a broken jaw, sustains a hit in his last game. I don't think the hit was dirty, but he's expected now to be out approximately six to eight weeks. Um, It is being reported that he did undergo surgery. On monday to repair his fractured jaw and then the other felino that we already mentioned nick um in response to that hit uh comes up and goes in for a fight and now he has a broken finger so he is also out (laughs) people are talking about obviously this means now conor bedard is not going to be going to the all-star game but i am curious and this is a dialogue that's simmering out there but legit question Let's assume Connor Bedard is out six to eight weeks, but when he returns, he continues to be doing Conor Bedard things just like he was doing before the injury. Sarah, is he still your rookie of the year or does this absence severely impact his ability to stake claim to that award?
2: Oh God. You got some interesting goal tending, which I think could... Have an impact. You got Brock Faber coming, like averaging sixty minutes per like he's playing entire games. You've got so many good rookies in this class, and it's just kind of like years pass. Like I don't know, Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby. You can still go back and forth with that. It's like, does it really matter who ends up winning Rookie of the Year? Like Connor Bedard's going to be the best rookie to come out of this class, but this is just an award based on like a very short amount of time where so many things are changing and there's so much context. And I know like, it's, I don't know, it's just hard because some players are sheltered and now you got Adam Fantilli actually playing. So that's going to factor in too, but it's going to be really interesting to see. And I was laughing when you were talking about this because I just pictured in my head, like, Polino being like, fuck. Bedard's out
0: I'm getting myself out of this for a few weeks (laughs) who doesn't want to be on injured reserve right now in Chicago like that's the place to be Yes,
1: it's literally they they have they are paying more money to players who are injured than they are to the entire roster that they have been icing as of late Shayna how does this impact Connor Bedard's claim to getting the Calder trophy
0: it definitely does and it's so unfortunate. Like, what is it about being a top pick named Connor that you have to get hurt in your rookie season? <laughs> like, did Connor McDavid pave the way for this? Like, the difference is that Bedard's going to have time to come back and state his case a little bit more. And we all are so like, recency bias is a thing. And if he crushes it at the end of the year, that's going to be fresher in our minds. But I think it's going to be so easy for everyone to like look at the point chart and be like, well, when you can't do that with this award in my opinion like it's a little bit more than that and then when you bring in someone like Faber into the mix the conversation has to change i i think he could still do it because he's been that incredible but it won't surprise me if we have a tighter conversation about Faber, who is gaining steam rightfully so right now and even someone like rossi in the mix and fantaily like it's gonna be a good conversation to have or maybe just a super annoying one because sometimes the call there just is of all the awards i don't know why like is the most annoying sometimes so We'll see. It really depends on like how spectacular he is when he returns. And like, I would expect nothing less.
1: It's going to be interesting to watch for sure. And as, as you noted, Shane, you know, Connor McDavid never won the, the rookie of the year award either. And I'm sure that if you asked him, he would probably still want that Stanley cup over. I mean, no one remembers this, right? Like no one goes, Oh, but see, he wasn't the rookie of the year. So we will watch to see how Connor Bedard gets back. Um, we're unsure of that. But there was also a big trade, an actual trade that went down this week. And this was an interesting one. And I'm only mad at it because in the trade, it was also a pick was also included. And I really wanted this to be another, the trade was one for one because it would have been spectacular content. But in what was pretty impressive in terms of the secrecy around this need to move a player, the Philadelphia Flyers trade their top prospect, Cutter Gauthier to Anaheim for another top prospect, Jamie Drysdale, And then Philadelphia also gets a second round pick from Anaheim in the process. Um, When this went down, I think everyone went, whoa, um, because those are two, as I said, really talented players that were highly coveted by their organization. But it came out after the fact, um, Flyers leadership came out and shared that Cutter Gauthier said he no longer wanted to be part of the Flyers organization. Excuse me. So this was a need for them to move the player Um, And I did think that Anaheim made a nice trade partner because we've been talking about how much defensive talent they have. So they actually could move a defender if they needed, but there is some drama around this. I find it really interesting. We're starting to see more and more younger players doing what they can to dictate whether or not they play for the team that drafted them. Sarah, for this trade specifically, what did you make of it? What impressed you most? Was it the fact that the Flyers could keep it under wrap that the players wanted out? Was it that they couldn't make a deal and get a really nice payback or something else?
2: Yeah. I mean, my first reaction is, Holy shit. The Anaheim ducks are going to be the best team in the world in five years, or if not the best, the most entertaining and fun to watch. I, and I know they had a great game yesterday and they've been really up and down, but like, I don't really take stock into their wins and losses right now. I I love watching like their power play sequences. It's like the three best 18 year olds you've ever seen, like tearing it up. And once they build a team around that, which takes, I don't know, a few years, which they're literally doing right now. I'm just, I love Greg Cronin. I think he's the best coach to handle this. And I really get so excited watching this team. Like, I don't know the Zegers stuff. That's domino effect is interesting. We'll talk about that after, but Or will we, but I don't know. (laughs) But I think it's so funny when people like clutch their pearls about, oh, he shouldn't be able to do that. And you look at their profile and it's like OHL Stan. It's like, these people just hate college hockey. And I think everybody who has any benefit like should use it you know what i mean like i think he doesn't want to play for the flyers and then it came out the flyers were being really immature about like they were good at keeping it under wraps probably to increase his trade value hello but i feel like they really handled this poorly at the end and they caused all this speculation and it's like okay cut your losses like he said he doesn't want to play there and everyone's like oh it's because he's a penguins fan that's really like you know there's more to that, and then you find out that it's they didn't want to sign him at the end of his year last year, and it's kind of like, okay, I think both sides can make this decision and then like move on.
1: Yeah, let's get into that, Chena. There's been a lot of speculation about the why behind this, because Gautier was... Uh, documented to saying, you know, he was a flyer through and through. He couldn't wait to play for this team. And then something changes Um, a couple theories out there. You know, Sarah shared one of them. There was also a very unfair and incorrect report that Kevin Hayes, who obviously was not thrilled um, with the way his time ended in Philadelphia, was involved in trying to influence the player, which he has come out and vehemently denied and shared um, some awful ramifications that have happened to him off the ice as a result what do you think the take is in terms of why this move had to be made and the players change of heart?
0: Yeah, I think it seems like it's contract-based. That's the most logical solution of all of it, right? Instead of blaming Kevin Hayes, I'm so glad he spoke up too like, and said exactly what he said because people, People cannot just put shit out there and there be no consequences if you're completely and totally incorrect, like they clearly were there. Like it's so easy to point figures and everybody wants to have their hand in a dramatic situation when you can just like sit back and enjoy it and like watch the show unfold around you instead of like immersing yourself in it and trying to be at the forefront. But like with this, it makes sense. If he wanted to join the team sooner. And they said, no, they didn't want to burn part of his contract because you have to think long term. And it seems like Danny Breer is doing a really good job of that. And there's also the bonus overages concern of signing that contract. Like, that's a business decision. I don't think it's a bad thing if he said, well, guess what? Then I don't want to be here. Like, you're allowed. You have no rights as a young player. So if you can do anything to take control of your future, because it only affects you, like you have to be happy at the end of the day, then so be it. Like, if you're that good of a player, why not? And the Flyers, I think, handled this really 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 well to start because I I liked how Danny Breer and Keith Jones like spoke to the media and explained it too like they didn't want to put this out there sooner which is why it's such a shock and that's why I think we're all like jumping to conclusions so quickly because we didn't see this coming they didn't want it that if he changed his mind or something changed like that everybody knew this about him and this is what's going to define the early years of his career like I love that I think it's so impressive that like everybody actually kept this quiet they could have just used this as leverage to completely squeeze the flyers for this and like you know you look at the return and go well maybe it's uneven like they didn't have a ton of leverage here like what could you do and like keith jones said right like if you don't want to be a flyer like you don't have to be a flyer and you shouldn't want it that you're rebuilding this team and you're putting so much emphasis on your fifth overall pick if they don't want to be a part of it like you can make the best of the situation it feels like they tried to some of the other commentary around it is a little wild, like, oh, we're going to go, like, you should go after him and boom and whatever. Like, Flyers fans are relentless and hopefully, like, it's nothing more than booing and people, like, don't have to take it up any further notches. Like, you want them to be an enemy for the drama of it. Go off. But it, it just feels like everybody jumps to something because they didn't, like, if maybe we knew this about this for months, it wouldn't be, like, all of this throwing up at us at once and everyone coming out with these, like, crazy theories.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I don't know that I love that he got this upset over one year but I get yeah. it and here we are and I do want to circle back to on that Kevin Hayes news and say that kudos to Daniel Breer who also reinforced the fact that Kevin Hayes I guess texted or called him and Keith Jones immediately and said I had nothing to do with this and they accepted that and believed that and and supported that I it sucks because I don't know the outlet that started this report, and I'm a big fan, obviously, of people starting out and finding their way into journalism if they want. But you have to make sure that when you put news out there, you're not just doing it for the clicks and to be salacious. You have to make sure that you have real information. It sounds like this was not it so especially (laughs) news
0: like this right yeah blaming someone for a fifth overall pick like people wanted to jump on torts right like oh he didn't want to play for torts and then torts has this comment like i don't know cut her from a hole in the wall like what do you and then people like see why would he want to play for torts like the man is probably just saying like in his most Tortsian way of like i focus on the players on my roster and that is it and if he's not in the room i don't need to be bothered with it period like let's focus on what we have going on here But it's just like everybody wants to blame someone and wants the drama. Like, we got enough drama this year. We got enough soap operas in hockey this year. We don't need to make them up.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll see um, how these two teams um, shake out. As Sarah made the point, these are two groups that might just be doing a rebuild the right way and have a lot of potential to be really, really dangerous in some very interesting ways in a couple of years as their young talent matures. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, One other thing we wanted to talk about here, and this was something off the ice, but first we had a report earlier this week, and I want to credit Taylor Rocha out of Arizona, who did a feature on Arizona Coyotes goalie, Connor Ingram, who came out and talked very, very openly about his struggles with mental health and then using therapy to get his health right and return to the game. And we were all impressed with obviously his willingness to share that and make that a message that makes this a little bit more tolerable and accepted in particularly hockey society. And then it came out today that the NHLPA is launching mental health training for players. Um, Ian Mendez had the report, Sarah, I know you looked into this a little bit, but what can you share with what we're learning about what the NHLPA is trying to do for their membership and your thoughts on just bringing this again, more into the spotlight.
2: Yeah, Ian Mendez had a really great article on it in The Athletic. And there's a new initiative from the NHLPA um, called the First Line Program. And it's designed to directly address mental health issues faced by active NHL players and their families. And it's apparently like the first program of its kind in professional sports. I mean, you see a program that you go into and you immediately like, are unactivated from the roster. And it's like, you, you aren't playing, but these are for active players and to address issues proactively before it gets to a bad point, which I'm such an advocate of. And um, part of the course is aimed at erasing the stigma of mental health that still exists inside NHL locker rooms. And I know that a lot of players volunteered who necessarily or aren't necessarily struggling with mental health themselves, but want to be leaders and help their teammates and stuff, which I thought was just absolutely like so heartwarming and um michael Backlund has participated in what it is is a three-hour training session that was prepared in conjunction with the mental health commission of canada and opening minds um and it provides evidence-based mental health training programs that are conducted in a small group format Um, with Jay Harrison who's a former NHL player leading a conversation around these subjects. And he said it was something that he always wished he had when he was playing. So I think obviously he's the perfect person to facilitate these conversations. And I'm glad that it's not kind of just surface level, like him saying he wants to help, but like there's evidence-based stuff and there's professionals there. And then it's him relating to players as well. Like, I think that's something that's really great.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, each of the Biddo news that we've had today. um, There's an element of almost every headline we've talked about where there's an impact to the human being that's exceptional in a bad way in terms of what you should expect to come out of just living your life and trying to have a career. So to have this support and again, to make this more accepted and just a part of keeping yourself healthy is impressive to me. Shana, what were your thoughts when you saw this news about this program come out?
0: I think it's great. It's one of like the best pieces of news to come out of the NHL season this year. Like it's one of the best decisions. Like I think the league and everybody has like had a hand in. Um, and I get the bar is low, but like it's it's actually good. Um, it it's something that like we should be talking about more, and it shouldn't be such a shock when you hear it from players like Connor Ingram or you know Sam Girard was in the NHL's program earlier this season. Like it, it's something. It's real. Everybody deals with things like this. And I'm sure at the NHL level, like the pressure is that much higher. It's so much easier to to have to deal with anxiety and the pressures of living up to your contract or impressing fans or doing what you need, you know, for your team. And there's a long history of sus- uh, substance abuse in the NHL. It, it It's not going away. So to have something in place to support the players is so important. To actually invest the time and resources, which the NHL has a shit ton of, is is huge. Like that's what you need to see happen. So, you know, hopefully this opens the door for more players to feel comfortable. And hopefully it's something that, you know, fans can take note of too. And if you see like, Hey, NHL players might be dealing with it. It's totally okay. If you are too, it's just something to make this more, I don't want to say like widely accepted, but not like looked down on, which is what we see all the time from close-minded people.
1: Absolutely. So kudos to extending coverage of health, to include our minds and our spirits too good job nhl um we do have to go on to another bit of news shana what time is it
0: how does it affect the leafs
1: how does it affect <laughs> the leafs y'all all i'm gonna say and then sarah i'm gonna let you share what you think because there's no shortage of opinions on this William Nylander, he of the excellent hair and the subway riding passion, is getting paid eight years at eleven point five million per year. The contract is completely buyout proof. Sixty-nine nice million dollars <laughs> in signing bonuses. Willy, 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 headed to the bank. Sarah, your thoughts?
2: Three assists last night. He was feeling it and. I think he's such an excellent player on pace for a career year that coinciding with the cap expected to raise the most it has since 2019, 2020 is big for the market. And I saw Darren Dreger tweeted, like, I had a player tell me once, like, are you upset with the day? What you made the day you signed? No, then you can't get mad when the next person makes more money. And it's kind of like he's Nylander is setting the market. And that is, is he overpaid? We, we will find out. I, I think this was probably his last big contract and the first, other than the Pasternak, Pasternak is just, like I don't know. It, when you look at this Leafs team, it's just kind of broken with the money until all of the core four leaves and Marner might be the odd one out because he's going to be valuable to trade. But it's just, you can't, look at what the others are making in proportion and be like, well, I'm going to take a huge pay cut and good for all of these men for making a lot of money. I think you look at the wingers on the market that are going to be up next. And it's kind of like, well, what's Jason Robertson going to make? What's all the, there's so many, um, McDavid's coming up, dry sidles coming up. And you just think about like, did Nylander set market expectations or, Is he just a leaf?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting, too. I was having this conversation yesterday when all of this was coming down, actually, is that, you know, we always talk about, too, to your point, Sarah, you can't necessarily compare the numbers straight to each other because these deals are signed at different times. They are different percentages of the cap at the time that the deal was signed. And so if we really want to look at apples to apples, it's better to look at what percent of the cap a deal was at the time the deal was signed versus say Willie makes this, Austin Matthews makes this and so on and so forth. But Sarah raises a good point, Shayna, And we saw the overabundance of very large contracts ultimately, in my opinion, cripple the Chicago Blackhawks and lead them to kind of where they are now. How much of a risk is Toronto taking with so much money invested in so few players and also how does this impact can mitch marner stay around his deals coming up what do you think of the overall management of the cap like sarah was saying
0: i think it's tricky because like this was the players ask it's not like his career year raised what he was asking for like he had a number and it seems like he played up to it and kind of forced the leafs hand and their options at this point were do you pay the man what he wants and what he's clearly earned Or do you let him walk, which is going to be a problem? What helps them is that Tavares' contract is up next year, too. And there's some other deals that were those short-term contracts, like the Klingberg deal, that are going to be coming off the books. So it's going to give them a little bit more flexibility. Um, Can you move forward with a cap like this with so much invested in your core? It's going to be a really interesting question because, like, the Blackhawks paid depth guys a lot of money because they won a cup. And the Leafs are doing this at what they probably hope is like the early stages of their window so maybe it can work out but it's going to take a lot of creativity around those big contracts and I don't know if someone like Brad Tree Living's the guy to do it we see him sign these mega deals but what does he build around the team and I think when he had to do it this summer I don't like how he spent the extra money he had so we'll see if he can get a little bit more crafty but at the end of the day like this is what he's worth and the, it's going to be a cool like a cool thing to watch because is he going to be up to is this his peak and can he keep this peak or is he going to go down from here and then his value subsequently goes down can you balance it out with the growing cap if it keeps growing the way we expect like can the nhl keep doing things to bring in more revenue like who knows really we we really don't and then we always ask how does this affect the leafs it's going to be how are the leafs affecting everybody else because who's gonna benefit from this you see other players like Elias Patterson and Sam Reinhardt, and while they're not like the perfect comparables, if you're a pending free agent and go, well, he just got paid his maximum value up to his market value in a career year, what's it going to mean for me? Like, it'd be nice to see the superstars get paid. And I feel like we always find ways to break down why it's bad superstars get paid, but like, it doesn't happen a lot in this league. So if it can, I, I like the precedent it could set, you know, it could set right there. It's just, it's tricky paying someone in a career year because it's going to raise the value. And you don't know if that's what you're going to get the whole time forward.
1: It's going to be interesting to see how they manage this and as you say Shana, what the cap to allow the leafs to stay the leafs or do the leafs wilt and fall off the tree who's to say who's to say all right let's go around the league with some other headlines um y'all the best team that no one seems to be talking about um is the number 1 team in the NHL right now and that is your winnipeg jets question mark um they are rolling um, holding down that top spot. I arguably was not big on them going into the season, particularly with what we thought was going to be a rebuild with losing a lot of their stars. They only lost Dubois and they've kept a lot of their key talent and they are zooming through games. Sarah, are you surprised, impressed, or are the Jets just showing us that we were all wrong all along and they knew they could be this team?
2: The problem with the Jets is that we already all knew that they could be this team and they weren't. So it's like the vibe was off. And now I really think, obviously, they were urged to kind of, and I'm using passive voice, like I urged them to start a rebuild ahead of this season and not resign and like free Hellbuck, free Shifley, free everybody. But they doubled down and they said, nope, we're going to sign both of them. And like, there was... Weird discourse about who wants to be there and who doesn't. They clearly figured that out. Rick Bonus is awesome. Um, He's doing well as the head coach. I think that was a good change that is gradually like the players have trust in him that they hadn't in a while with coaches for whatever reason. It was like an odd thing with their captains happening too. And the vibes were off. But now I think the re-signing of those two players long-term too was kind of, a declarative statement that, okay, no, we, we believe in these people. We aren't like looking over to the next thing and let's do this. Right. And I think this was such a good example of like the vibes actually mattering because really nothing changed that much. If anything, Kyle Connor like isn't there right now. So it's kind of like they had, you would assume they get worse, but it's like, no, they all kind of believe what they could be now. I think.
1: It's interesting to watch. Dubois uh, was reported to be playing fourth line assignments in their last game. And that's the one player who has left. Um, Shayna, what has impressed you the most about the Jets winning formula this season?
0: I think a lot of it relies on Connor Hellebuck and he's having an amazing season. And we know that's part of their formula, but it's what they're doing in front of him, especially over this last stretch. Like we're seeing them separate themselves at five on five and pick it up offensively without Kyle Connor, which is so impressive that they're managing this without him like it's without Kyle Conner, You have Gabe Velarde in a starring role and I think he's raising the bar of his game to match what they need so when Connor returns like ideally they're even deeper of a team and they can like maintain this Um, and I think the fact that they're doing it without their defense doesn't like overwhelm me it's good Josh Morrissey's very good, but like you look at it and you're like, who's their number two defenseman? Is it someone that's like at the bar of a contender? So I am curious. Like, does this team actually like make a splash and add at the deadline? Like, generally they don't do things like that. And if they do, are they going to be like, well, we need someone defensive, or are they going to be like, no, 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 let's just keep bringing in the offense and try to match on one side of the ice with what we know we're going to get from Hellbuck on the other side of the ice? Like, even a couple weeks ago, I looked at the Central and I'm like, they're not the team that stands out to me. It's Colorado and Dallas. And I like that they're just proving us wrong. And they're doing it at a time when we probably should all count them out. It's
1: going to be interesting. Yeah. Seven, seven straight wins for Winnipeg. We got some streaks going here, Sarah. We've got two other teams. I'll let you take your pick of which one you want to talk about. Um, but again, Florida, thanks to Shayna's article, uh, extended their win streak to eight, excuse me, to nine last night with a hat trick from Matthew Kachuk. And the Seattle Kraken trying to make a bid to be in the mix with seven straight wins and 11 straight games with points. Florida or Seattle, which one do you want to talk about? Ooh.
2: Two teams? You know what? I want to talk about them both, and I can't decide because there are two teams that I said would make the playoffs, and everyone's like, what are you talking about? And now it's time to talk about them. The Panthers, it's like they – Their depth was so showcased in the times where Matthew Kachuk was not cooking and he was not cooking in the beginning of the season. And someone tweeted like, wow, good thing he's in a small market or people would be roasting him. And like after that tweet, I genuinely think he goes online. I genuinely think maybe Keith sends him the tweets or something. But the second someone says anything, it's like he's on a roll. He just got a hat trick in St. Louis in front of his dad. He more than that has been consistently scoring, but it's just like the cherry on top of The Sunday that is the Panthers right now and I don't know like they have so many fun players Sam Bennett is having a great year he he has been really great to see after he went from the Sabres to the Panthers it's like I feel like every year he has a different element of his game that he excels and right now it's scoring fun goals and then you've got Verhege you've got like I just think this team is so stacked that it blows my mind that a lot of people, even after they made it to the cup final, did not have them in going back to the playoffs. Like I like they had the senators over them. I'm like, come on, people, but <laughs> they're great. I mean, the Kraken are back to their depth ways after last night. Like they had goals coming from every line, and that's when they truly excel. I mean, easier, to, of course, when they're scoring goals, that's when they excel. <laughs> but like, um, Joey DeCord has been awesome. And everything seems to be coming together for the Kraken.
1: Shayna, what's standing out to you about these teams that are on these long win streaks right now?
0: For the Panthers, it's definitely that everybody kind of like worked together while they were down and out, right? Like while you're missing... Your key top two defensemen, you have Alvin, Oliver ekman Larson picking up the pace, and you have unexpected players stepping up where you need. When the Kachuk line wasn't clicking as much a five-on-five, five, and you could see he was more in like this playmaking role, and you saw Verhage and Bennett didn't get off to the best starts, it was fine because you had Rodriguez, Barkov, and Reinhardt crushing it. Their special teams have been a threat all season. That penalty kill has been excellent, and the power play, Reinhardt can't stop scoring goals and it's funny to see like how it works for them because they had the different power play quarterbacks, you know, to start the season and you're seeing Kachuk in that passing role on the power play, setting up Reinhardt for chances that nobody can stop. It's not going to happen. And they're not fighting for the same rebounds as much because Kachuk's just threading him a, sh- a shot and he's converting on it. So the two are still combining for almost, you know, 50% of the team's power play goals. It's just a different makeup than before. Like they're, they just look so good and they been getting more well-rounded over the last few years and I think that's something that maybe we wouldn't have expected because the cap situation and the goaltending and it's nice for a change we're literally not talking about the Panthers goaltending at all because everything else in front of the crease is such a good conversation to have so they look like one of the best if not like the best most well-rounded Atlantic division team that it's not like the Bruins where you're like well what are you going to do at center and Tampa like is your window over and then the Leafs being like where the Leafs like the Panthers are just killing it so we love that for them but then the Kraken, like that is a streak you can't you can't not enjoy right now especially because a couple of weeks ago it was a completely different conversation I love this moment for Joey Decord he has been so good for it, so great for them in a role like here it is there's an injury go here's the net it's yours no. do it what, what, you know like do it what you will and I think no one would have been like oh he's terrible if he didn't thrive there and I, I just think he's raising the bar from what we could have expected from him. And he's been such an important part of it. And like Sarah said, like they're getting back to their depth scoring ways that they're doing the formula that makes them click. And I love that it's working for them again. And I, you know, you want to see how they're going to keep up with that. And then maybe if we see someone really emerge as that leading star of in years when he's ready or Shane, Wright When he's ready, like, what are they going to look like then? Like, it's fun. And the Pacific Division, like, there's the room to, to make noise with the Kings backsliding a little bit, with the Oilers' bed start to keep in mind, with the Flames just burning out completely this year. Like, why not go for it, especially when, like, the Central, nobody else is out there but the top three. But Allison, what is your take
1: on what's working for the Kraken? <laughs> you know better than both <clears throat> of us. Well, no, I think, I think you've hit on it. I think it's the depth. I think it's the goaltending. But I also think that the defense has really dialed it in. Um, They got just a little bit more simple, a little bit more back to basics. And you're maybe not seeing as much aggressive play from the defense right now outside of Vince Dunn, and that's his role. But I think that they had to figure out how to play with Joey too, right? Because he's a very active puck handling goaltender. And so finding that synergy and it's it's been cool because Joey talks to his defense a lot about situations and, hey, how do we play this or how what kind of plays are we looking for? And I think that relationship has been a huge key, too. So it's been it's been fun. That's for sure. I will say that Um, we want to wrap with one last streak. That's the bad kind. And senators, we're here for you. You're America's team. You listen to too many men, but come on, they've lost Four games in a row they are in 30th place in the NHL it's fair to say that there's so much change going on with that organization this year including in the front office and behind the bench that it's hard to adapt to all of that but this group just can't put it together Sarah what's your biggest concern about what's going on in Ottawa right now
2: the biggest concern is that like it's, literally, there's so many little, it's death by a thousand cuts as Connor McDavid or Taylor Swift would say. There's just so many little things that should be firing off that aren't. Um, cons- I actually genuinely have this question and it's like, I think it's a lesson in you want this team to be good. You think they're due for being good. And that doesn't mean that they're going to be good. <laughs> Like, I think we just have to look at the facts that they're not good and not be like, oh, the same thing with the Sabres. It's like, they're not just going to magically be good. I mean, the senators did get a new goalie and that hasn't worked out. So I guess the importance of a goalie and the importance of keeping things relatively flexible.
1: What's the one change the senators need to make, Shana, in your eyes?
0: It's the change they can't make. It's the the goaltending. The goaltending is the biggest problem. They should be converting on more of their chances. They have the forward talent. And I think it's like they're getting an internal rental in a way with the return of Shane Pinto. That's going to make them a deeper team up front. They can get a better look at what the team needs. And then they can decide from there how to to fully assess that top six. Because last year, we kept talking about it in the offseason, and then everybody got hurt. And Josh Norris didn't play most of the year, that it was like impossible to truly assess. But what we can assess is what's going on in goal. And Corpus Allo has allowed evolving hockey has met almost 10 goals above expected mm. so far this season you can see that game last night when all of a sudden it was like the lights went out on the senators against the flames and they fell apart in that third period and it's like you're running out of ways to explain how bad it is and for someone like corpus Allo, this is your if you want like a prime example of a risk of signing someone in a career year this is it because he had such an incredible season last year and he did it with two totally different teams you had a terrible defensive team like Columbus. Then you had him thrive with a great team like the Kings. But the problem was, if you looked at his whole career, that peak season, you don't know if that's, like, it's so hard to assess goaltending as is, but that's not what he's consistently put up before this. You didn't know. And the contracts seem risky at the time. And then when the Senators started to struggle this year, he wasn't the problem until he was, until, like, you know, the defense picked it up and then he kept trending in the wrong direction and it just isn't getting any better. So it's like, how do you fix that? it obviously will help to be better defensively in front of him. It'll obviously help to be better offensively that if you can make up for it in every which way, great, wonderful. But like if your goaltending is going to drag you down and it's him and Forsberg, good luck getting past that. And they both are signed. Like there's, you're not really navigating out of those deals.
1: It's rough. And I will say those are two players that I do actually really like Um, good people. Um, just not able to get the results right now. So uh, we're watching senators. We're rooting for you. Keep listening. We got you. We're here. Just just
0: I'll write about you if you want. If you, if there's a check in it for me, I will write about you and you will you'll suddenly I'll I'll say the Ottawa senators are fucked. And just like that, you're going to be amazing. You're going to be in the playoff race in like the next <laughs> two weeks. But I need I need some incentive. So senators, you're listening. Let's let's make a deal.
1: Let's make a deal. <laughs> All right. Well, we also this is a little bit. uh past its prime in terms of news but we do just want to say that we are a pro Jen Botterell podcast um and she's one of the smartest commentators out there and women always have to be smarter and have to be better just to get a little bit of respect that men get away with and Jen we stand you forever and always you crush it on the regular uh we will end this episode with our very favorite game one that everyone loves and Sarah, you're going to go first, as is tradition. It is time for Fuck, Mary, Kill. And your challenge is to FMK the top three teams in the NHL standings Winnipeg, Vancouver, and Boston.
2: I'm marrying Vancouver and fucking Boston because we need a 2011 redo. We need to see what happens. I am here for the chaos. I was too young the first time. I mean, I was at all the parades and watched Bergeron and Marchand get drunk together and absolutely loved every second of that. But I need a redo. I just think that'd be so fun. And I'm killing the Jets because, oh, this is mean. Like nothing against Winnipeg, but just thinking about the reporters that are gonna have to fly to and from <laughs> winnipeg like during the playoffs is just like stressing me out
1: Dana, go
0: um be different i'm gonna kill boston oh. because listen we know you're good boston but if if <laughs> i'm gonna commit to you or even give you a quick shot like i i need you to do a little more and i need like one more center that's what I need. I need to see you swing another big trade and the Bruins I think are one of the most fun teams to watch like make trades in the league. Do they can they pl- develop players? No, absolutely not. But can they make a big trade and get themselves to where they need to be absolutely. So until you do, I'm sorry. I have to keep you down low. Um I will fuck Winnipeg because I like I like that they're proving us wrong, right? Like, we always count off the Jets. We shit on the Jets how much last year? Like, just give up, get out of the playoff race, or it's fine if you get Mm -hmm. anything you're going to lose in round one. Like, I like this without Kyle Connor. I will give you credit for that, but I I need more. I need to see what you're going to look like when Connor's back and if you can actually be good. So I can't commit there. The Canucks I'm going to marry, and it's funny because they're the ones with some of, like, the flukier numbers. Like, is it shooting luck? Is it saving? But I like what they're doing on this last stretch, and recency bias is a hell of a drug, and, like, they're killing it. Like they look so dominant right now, and you're seeing the stars starring. So why not? Like we love this for Queen Hughes, Elias Pettersson. Like you want to see him just be the player that he was expected to be. And Thatcher demco, the bounce back gear. Like it's fine. They're they're the most exciting. So I'll, I'll marry that. You'll never be bored with the Canucks.
1: I guess what? Agree with. Who do you think? I think it's going to be Sarah. I think it the Bruins are, are a little bit better
0: to commit to than Winnipeg.
1: Well, Sarah, you sold me with with the redo of the, I need another kiss in the street while the riots <laughs> yeah. are going on.
2: Come on. That would be amazing. <laughs> the no. society needs this.
1: <laughs> that was, that was, that pushed me over the top. But I would have regardless, um, with both of you, married Vancouver, just because like, watching the Canucks fans actually experience joy is like the craziest wild thing. Like they don't know what to do. Like, and and like one little thing happens, like, but it's really bad. And I'm like, it's not bad. You're still a good team. It's fine. Um, but I'm going to marry Vancouver. I think it's, it's a fun little, um, adventure that they're on. And as you, you said, Shayna, they're, they're earning it the right way with their stars starring and doing all the right things. So that's cool. Um, I'm going to fuck Boston because I do, I need the rematch. Um, and Winnipeg, I just, it's so hard to get, like, it's just so hard to get enthusiastic about them. And I'm sorry. And I, they are playing well, but I just, I don't know. I don't know that I buy in fully to the formula just yet. So don't come for us. We're sorry. These are our picks. Someone has to be killed. That's the way it goes. Um, all right, my friends, that- Someone has be-
0: to be killed. Not like someone has to, someone has to be killed the most dramatically. Well, that's the game. It's true. I love it.
1: It's, that's I, why we play. I I don't make the rules. I just play the game. Um, all right. Too badly, sort of quote Taylor Swift, but not really. People said we weren't talking about Taylor as much. I'm like, oh, we will talk about Taylor again if we. If that's what you're missing, we can bring all that back. Don't you? That was
0: a Taylor. Like I didn't. I didn't know that one.
1: Okay, we'll yeah. we'll send you the song. It'll be oh fine. great, can't wait. Okay. okay, blank space. Listen to it. It'll bring you to a new. I've heard that.
2: One. One. That's song. a classic one. Yeah, I know well, that
0: one.
1: You know, I love the players. Yes, you you listen to it. It'll all come together for you. Okay. Okay. All right. That is it for us. We're we're spiraling down now. We've got to stop. Um, But if you want to keep connecting with us, we'd love to see you on the social medias. We are at two underscore much underscore man on Twitter and Instagram. Connect with us there. If you want to connect with us just in the universe as a general space, you can get your Too Many Men merch at twomanymenmerch.com. Gloves, burnt gloves, 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 not gloves, baby <laughs> gloves. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's cold. I'm. I, this is what's going on in my head. Sweatshirt. Crafty
0: with our sweatshirts and make yourself some gloves. I'm not doing it.
1: Maybe, maybe Shana will upcycle some Too Many Men merch and make gloves. That's that's the next project for you. Uh, sweatshirts, t-shirts, hats, glassware, books, switch cases. It's all there and available and just waiting for you to take it home and make it yours and make you happy when you see it. Uh, We do not take any of those profits. We turn those around and we use them to do exactly what we ask you to do every single episode. And that is to please make something happen, no matter how big or small, to make sure that hockey truly is for everyone. We will talk to you next week. Love you. Bye.